0: Welcome to Deadly Discussions, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. And before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation on whose land we record. So this week, we have Yolanda. Yolanda's got a very interesting cultural background, um, which we'd love to hear more about. Um, So welcome to the show, Yolanda.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: No, it's fine. And on top of that, you're also starting a business very soonly. Well, we're going to push you off the cliff to make sure you do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we would just like to hear a bit of where you've come from, what your ambitions are, and um, you know what's you know social giving back and, and entrepreneurship means to you. So why don't we start with um, a bit of your upbringing?
1: Sure. So um, my name's Yolanda Finet, as you mentioned, and I am a proud order woman um, with also connections with the Gunditjmara and Tanurong people yeah. uh, here in Victoria.
0: Yeah. Um, and you learned before we get started, because I know we say the mob all the time and we all know where each bit of land is from, Yeah. Um, do you want to break it down exactly where Yorta Yorta, Gunjamara and uh, Tanarong people sort of, you can find them in Victoria?
1: Yeah, so the um, Tanarong people are actually a part of the Kulin Nation and their, yeah. their area is sort of, um, I guess, northern... Victoria, then they, they go up right up to the Yorta Yorta boundary, which is um, the Goulburn Valley area, so yep. that's on the Murray River between Shepherd and Achuka up that way. Yep. And then Gunditjamara is um, Western District, so uh, my great-grandmother, she came from Franlingham. Okay. Which is um, over that way.
0: Yeah, and then, so we got the Tanurong, Gunditjamara, and the Yorta Yorta. Yep. I think that's quite a famous tribe. And I always ship it in. Yeah, Shepparton and Chuka.
1: Yep, yeah, from yeah, my Kammergundja. My grandmother was born and raised on Kammergundja Reserve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, for the
0: for the listeners, a, a reserve or a mission, when we refer yeah. to as an Aboriginal people, is is sort of a place where a lot of the tribes were taken to. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: that's
0: yeah. right. And that's yeah. how we sort of have when a uh, black fella like myself says, oh, I'm Cubby Cubby. Um, Buri, which means you know, I'm from two tribes. Um, it's usually a crossover because of um, being brought out to missions or reservoirs um, and then marrying into other tribes and then coming back on country. And That's how we have that mm-hmm. sort of rich heritage. So, No, it's good we break that down for our listeners because they would be like, what yeah. countries? What countries? What are you talking about? It's Australia, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so- yeah. And I actually usually just say Yorta, Yorta. I don't. Um, but um, lately our family has been, I guess, acknowledging um you know my great grandmother's mob as yeah. well as my great great grandfather I think it was be. He. Um he's mob from Tamil so I was raised your de yeah. and
2: um
1: you know to, to you know, my grandmother always said your de but um you know, I always like to make mention of the other
0: mobs as well yeah that's i think it's an it's important and I, I, I know a lot of indigenous people know their mob but because they haven't got much involvement they sometimes feel um like they sort of can't you know promote that or talk about that because they're worried people you know what people think um mm. you know for me i it took me a while to really share my south sea Islander bloodline connection as well because ah, it was okay. sort of like a Sort of felt out of place. It's like, yeah, I'm indigenous, but I'm also Celsius. I'm yeah. Ascended. And then people like, oh, what's that? And as I learned more about the blackbirding and how they were sort of taken over to work the sugar cane, um, I was able to explain that to people. So then they understood, well, well, that makes sense, you know. Um, it's tragic, but yeah, it makes sense. And then people kind of stand yeah, where everyone's sort of journey comes from. So, and also you mentioned, I think you haven't mentioned it, but I know that you were born in the USA. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm also um, African American through my dad. So, yep. I, and I was born um, in Fort Bragg Army Base in North Carolina. Yeah, and um, lived there until um, my parents separated as, yep. um, around four four years old. And yep. then I've also got my grandfather who is Greek. So yeah, wow. Yeah, so he's a first generation um, Greek man. Yeah, um, and so some some if you've People from Melbourne know the Jackamoss family, which is obviously yeah. uh, the Greek, the Greek side. But it's a Greek name, not an Aboriginal name. Which really, a lot of people So, Mr. Think. Andrew
0: Jackamoss <laughs> is he part of the yeah. clan?
1: Yeah, so that's uh, my mum's brother. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, For yeah. Me it's, uh, so, some of the mob.
1: Yeah, a lot of people think that Jackamoss is a is a black fella name. <laughs> you can almost pass it. You
0: can almost Jackamoss. You know? <laughs> Something to do it's with actually, moss, you know? I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no,
2: that's um,
0: it's, a, yeah, it's a Greek name. I think it was changed over the years. to Yeah, yeah, it's made <laughs> it more Australian. Um, yeah, but... No, it's exciting. So you've got a couple of different cultures there. Um, first, I'd like to start with the African-American heritage. So
2: okay. um,
0: We recently found out that a member of our family, can't say it too because of the mob, all the mob don't know, but um, we actually had uh, the father was African-American from World War Two stationed wow. over here. And because uh, we grew up not knowing this, we just assumed it was sort of a family secret, you know, the mold aunties like to keep things to themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was interesting to see that blend um, where, yeah, an uncle of mine, he grew up um, thinking he was, uh, you know, indigenous Australian his whole life, but he was in fact actually African-American and indigenous and indigenous australians so wow. um, but he never got to experience some of that culture that his father you know obviously had and different things from from america so i was wondering if you had a chance to sort of experience some of those uh you know different cultures
1: yeah so um and that that mix actually is quite there's quite a little crew of us um aboriginal and african-american yeah, thanks, wow. to, thanks to the u.s um Military yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and them them coming over to Australia on their rest and relaxation from I think you know the Korean and Vietnam Wars yeah, yeah. there's there's quite a number of us that are um, have that mix um, yeah. but yeah when in my early twenties I decided that um, it was interesting I was working for the link up service um, which is a service that um, reconnects strong generation yeah. members with their families and I yeah. was I was the coordinator of that program, and i was I was facilitating these connections between all these um, these you know different people with yep. their with their family members and yep. I realized that I didn't have the connection with my father and my my father's family that I would like and yeah. I, uh, although I visit, you know, I did visit him growing up and went over there for holidays, but I'd never really sort of got to know him and got to know that side of my my heritage and my culture. And so I decided, and I was a single mum at the time, and I packed up my little two-year-old and we Mm -hmm. trotted off to the states. And I thought, we'll just go for a year, and I'll. Because I'm an American citizen, I was able to work, so I
2: yeah, wow. um,
1: ended up getting a job there as a case manager for a, a, at-risk youth, yeah. and one year turned into 10 years. <laughs> wow,
2: at least you haven't got
1: <laughs> yeah, the accent. So, yeah, so I ended up staying over there Yeah, for 10 years, and um, it was really great, though, that real connection with um, the other side of who I am, because yeah. I, you know, I was raised in the Melbourne Koorie community and very connected to... My aboriginal community and was very active in my community here but yeah it was just always that sort of part of me that felt um that i was missing and disconnected from yeah, so it was yeah. a really yeah it was a
0: really
1: it was a really great experience
0: oh that's exciting um you know for me i really i'm excited about um going to america to um meet and, and talk with the native indians
1: yeah, in Canada yeah.
0: and then the US and uh, down past New Mexico. Like, um, for me, that's just like, oh, just so exciting to see how they've sort of handled the whole, you know, colonization and then what they're doing now to sort of bring that equity back into community, how to keep culture and keep that strength, you know, in the face of, you know, strong, um, you know, migration over um, since the first, you know, white settlers came or the French, you know
2: in the spaniards oh, no. in the south
0: so yeah it's for me i, I think there's a lot of connections and as the we're getting more connected through internet and global um connections i think there'll be a lot of shared knowledge across the different tribes um and i think i think it also should line to um a lot of the african-americans where uh for a while there they've sort of said oh i'm african-american but like what does that mean now like following their descendants back to africa You know, Mm. where's the belonging there? You know, for us, you were just saying, like, there's a yearning to get back on on country. There's something in your DNA that just wants to be around the surroundings of your forefathers. You know, there's something nourishing about that when you get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely a strong um, shift in the African-American community to really reconnect with their African heritage and to... um, I guess, but you know, they're going through their own sort of decolonisation yep. process around, um, you know, really getting back to their roots of who they are. And a lot of them are going on, um, you know, pilgrimages. I I guess back to back that's, to Africa that's and awesome. to yeah, and it's and I guess through um, you know DNA testing, you're able to actually um,
0: find yeah, yeah,
1: get really some clarity down. around um, where. You may be from in Africa, so it's really
0: yeah, it's a great reclaiming. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting times. Um,
2: yeah,
0: it's fantastic. Now let's go into what you're up to now. So, you, oh, you said sure. you had the two. So you have the two-year-old you had back oh, no. then. Well, I so had. Now, a, I so had now, a how many? How many did you end up
1: with? Yeah, I've got three. Yeah, you're got three. three. So the two-year-old is now twenty-three. Yep. And then I've got a, my middle daughter. She actually turned 16 today. So, yeah, happy birthday, wow. Asia! Yeah. And then I've got a little eight-year-old as well. So.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And, yeah. Um, and so, I've, I've met your husband. No husband. Yep. And what was his heritage?
1: So, Damien is Mauritian.
0: He's Mauritian. Yep. So, you've got the yep. whole so mix going on. We are the United Nations you under one
1: household. Under one yeah. roof. Yeah. You can go to <laughs> yeah.
0: the United Nations next time. They're in yeah. Australia yeah. and say, this is what it looks like.
1: You know. Yeah, exactly. And he, yeah, he was born in Mauritius, but and moved to Australia when he was seven. so yeah. he's had his own. And, the, you know, and did you find and,
0: you know with Mauritius is very um, multicultural as well? Did you find finding a partner and a spouse um, that was really important to have someone to understand all the different cultural um, you know inputs into your you know your family life and how that's very important? Like, was it really you know valuable yeah. to find that in a partner?
1: Yeah, it was really important for me um, to always um, be with, um, you know, somebody either from my own background or or another, um, I guess, um, (laughs) non-white. And I think more because I just, you know, we just have... And the thing about being with Damien was is that um, he... His family, Mauritians are just like, you know, they're very, Mauritians are made up of a lot of cultures. So,
2: yeah.
1: Mauritians are actually, and my husband's a Creole Mauritian, which means he's got French background, but he's also got African, Indian, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Chinese, you know, the work. So, he's yeah. just,
2: you
1: know, everything mixed into one. So, I love the culture because it's so multi dimensional, multi yeah. fac- faceted. And, um, you know, we just, our family just blended in. They were just, we were all, we were all just like one big mob. They, you know, they, they all get along so well, just the different blends and fusions of different, you know,
2: foods and yeah, yeah.
1: cultures and yeah. language and music and art. And so it's just, um, yeah, it's been, it was a, a Mauritian. I always tell my girlfriend, yeah. Mauritian, Mauritians are a good, if you're if you're related
0: to too many black fellows. <laughs> <laughs> that's another bit of a golden nugget for indigenous people um it turns out when people say ah oh, and she's all related it turns out most likely we are so <laughs> it's uh it's not a racial stigma it's very accurate yeah um and it goes back to and then you can bring in the serious note it goes back to the mission days which uh yeah someone's ancestors sent us to so um so Absolutely. whose fault is it that we're all related yeah. all right, exactly see um um, no, that's exciting. That's that's fantastic. So, I like how you, see you worked with the, was it, linked up services, finding, you know, the stolen generation
2: mm, and memory. connecting people. Okay. So, yeah. how do you
0: how do you get someone and some of the listeners I have and I know um, because I talk to them, they say, well, I'm Indigenous, but how do I even find where my mob are from? How do I even mm. find, where do I even start? Is it like Ancestry.com or you send a bit of your hair away or, you know, what, what's your advice to someone like that?
1: Yeah, um, it's a really good question and I think it's something that's coming up a lot for people. Um, yeah. and I think you've got to start I think with you know, with records. So yeah. I encourage people to go back as far as you can with your records. So your birth certificates, your death certificates, your marriage certificates. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's a really good start. So birth, death, and marriages in yeah. whatever state that you might um come from. Um, is a really good place to start because the amount of information that's contained in those um, those records,
2: yeah.
1: Um, albeit they're not, you know, for not not everybody they were kept. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Then you've got services like the Koori Heritage Trust. You've got the Australian Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies yep. in yep. Canberra. Um, you know, different um, the National Records. Um, I know I'm not saying that right. (laughs) (laughs) But they're out there. State records, state records. Um, But it's really a fact-finding mission, and you just really have to start with what you know and just um, try and get um, as many sort of documents and and bits and pieces as you can. And then you just got to go, you know, here in Melbourne, the best place is... You've got Curry Heritage Trust and you've got link a link up service
2: yep. um, as
1: well, who only work with they only work with people who um you know, have been through a, the system, so either yeah,
2: okay. through
1: yep. foster care adoption or yep. um yep. asylum generation. So um, it can be really tricky, you know, and I mean Ancestry is a good resource as well. Ancestry dot com is another resource. Um yep. but
0: yeah, it Definitely. can be tricky. I know with um, you know, with my searches ancestry for my mum who's um indigenous woman, I mm. think I got back to my grandfather and that was it.
2: Oh, <laughs> and then my
0: yeah, my um, father's side, I went back like six generations all the way yeah. to they, they were back to England. So um, yep. yeah, it's very interesting. It can be disheartening and I just say to anyone that and there's a lot of services now out there that organizations that are saying, listen, come and be involved in our indigenous community and culture. And we understand you might not know where you're from, um, but it's okay. You know, we're happy to include you and sort of make you an honorary, uh, member, um, Mm. and that's extended to a lot of other indigenous people out there on the journey. So excellent. Now, Yolanda, let's talk about what you're doing right now, this instance, before you got off the phone and got on the phone and spoke to me. Um, I've heard uh, you're looking at starting a business. Or what do you do yeah, for work so, now? Well
1: it, is, well, it is a started business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I've actually been in business since 2017. Um, yeah. And I, I, as I mentioned, I, I don't know if I did mention, but I worked in um, child youth and family services okay. for my yeah. whole career. Yeah, And yeah. both here in um, the Melbourne Koorie community but also in the States. Yeah. And here... Um, Here I worked um, in the area of child protection and I was um, in a leadership or management role there. I wasn't um, doing the direct service, but what I was was finding was I was dealing with a lot of um, vicarious trauma. um, And I noticed that both in the States, because when I worked in the States and I was a youth worker, I found that I was... um, I was very closely connected to my clients. You know, I was only in my 20s as a youth worker and a single mother, as I mentioned. But my story wasn't that separated from um, the clients I was working with. And it's the same here working with Mob, is that our stories, you know, are are very intertwined and very connected to the ser- the clients that we 're serving, and yeah. it has a real serious impact because we're you know we're navigating and we're, our own transgenerational trauma and the stuff yeah. that we bring yep. and then we're you know if we haven't gone on our own healing journey and we're working with mob and trying to be of service, it can get it, it you know it can all get very very there's a lot of counter transference that goes on yeah yeah a- and so I found myself um just very impacted by the work that I was doing. And I felt very, I was feeling very frustrated, I guess, with the service, uh, the the system as a whole. And I felt it just, it just felt really misaligned with my values and my morals and what I was doing because I just felt like I was, it was just these systems that it was set up for us to, you know, not be overly successful. And as much yep. as we talk about self-determination and community control, at the end of the day, we're still getting our money and we're still being told what to do by a government body.
0: Uh, so, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and just so, on, on that note, yeah. I, For I think a lot of people, um, especially, you know, for listeners, like, they think, oh, Indigenous people or any minority get all this money. There's this pool of money that flows and we know the gap annually is like $30 billion industry. And um, there's people now that we know, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, who sit themselves in that gap and make uh, money off it and then offer services, inverted comma, um, knowing, full full knowing that it's just going to be a full circle, that the person will come back through the system and then that's that's another pay come back and my mum worked in public service and we do work out in the missions She would do health and education and stuff and center that around sport but i know for a fact there's people that are just happy to be in that gap because it's a safe place and the money's coming through and there's no interest to actually change uh, because us humans don't like change to actually change what's happening and then indigenous people looking to do developments are getting government um funds but then there's the same laws and a leash attached to the that money that it's just mm-hmm. the same cycle again. It just looks yep. a little bit different, and you know that's mm-hmm. for us at Bunjil. And what we do is to create assets where the Aboriginal people of that area organisation own outright, and then that's when the real equity and economic freedoms are going to start um, coming from. Yeah, anyway, so exactly,
1: exactly. And it's just it's just sort of perpetuating the sort of what I call the mission mentality around. Yeah, you know, just sort of. Um, you know, just going along with sort of government management, and yep. um, and clients become numbers, and clients become targets, yes, and KPIs. it's all about if you don't if you don't serve this amount of people, you're not going to have a job next month. And yeah. um, I just was. So I became actually very unwell with it because it just, yeah. just felt really misaligned with my soul and my spirit and I just felt that I was doing the devil's work, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I come from a strong family of activists and, yeah. you know, my grandparents were instrumental in setting up a lot of the organisations here in Melbourne and I just yeah. thought, this is not the legacy that I want to leave. Yeah,
2: you know, this wow. is not
1: what my my grandparents worked hard for. They did. They did a lot of what they did was before the funding and the money and... You know, the power and yeah, all of that right. was in place. And so I just had this real, you know, need to get back to the truth of, you know, who I felt I was. And, and I just, I just sort of, uh, yeah, I went on, yeah. I guess, this journey of really needing to heal because I, I needed to, um, figure out who I was again and figure yeah. out where I was going and, you know, yeah, it's, from, it's sorry, like you ahead. said,
0: you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, you speak well and you've got some ideas. Why don't you think about, you know, a political career? And my reply is, well, there's no point because I feel the system's broken and yeah. it's not really, it hasn't addressed and hasn't addressed since 1901, the disadvantage Aboriginal people are under since the constitution. Yeah. Nothing's changed, still low, low socio-economic, still highest incarceration, suicide rates. Yep. Um, so what has it done for my people and I think the real answer is going to come from us out of our own merit and being able to tie it to something real and tangible like an economic outcome um, that's okay. going to really lift the Indigenous people out of um, that hole we're in and yeah it took time to process that you know I see mum works so hard in public service um, to with you know in a certain amount of impact but I'm like how can we get that to that next level and I, and I believe yeah. that's you know the business and the reconnecting those uh, you know the song lines the economic lines that Aboriginal people have had with each other in Southeast Asia and the islands is what's going to be the key to that
1: absolutely absolutely we you know we're a collective culture and and I think um, as part of our sort of, um, you know the trauma that we've gone through is that we've come we've become quite disconnected as people and I think yeah. I always say, you know, we heal ourselves, we heal our collective, and so, and it's the same with business. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just sort of, and I haven't even got into my business yet, but, um, um, essentially, um, I decided that I wanted to yep. be of service to my community in a yep. way that, um, I got to, I got to, um, I got to mandate exactly what that looked like, and yeah. I got to, you know, serve men and women. Um, in a way that um, I don't have to worry about funding and I don't have to worry about um, numbers and I don't yeah. have to worry about targets and it's not all about the money. It's really just that real being of service. And so I, I resigned from my, my job. Um, Yeah, I just took Took a leap leap of of
0: faith. A a leap of faith.
1: I just well, it got to a point where I it was sort of a well, but it was just a matter of survival. I was
0: so unwell. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think that's a testament to a lot of people about to take the leap of faith. It's a fine, fine line between being a good steward with your money and your job, and then also jumping off a cliff. And um, I think as you you sort of your heart sets on taking that step and that leap. Um, situations will start slowly pushing you towards the edge of that cliff where yeah, you're saying, yeah. where you realize is, wow, I actually can't stay up here. I have to jump because oh, if yeah, I don't, absolutely. internally I'll implode or externally I'll explode towards an event or certain circumstance. And, um, and I, think that's, I think it's a really healthy place to be in because it is like confirmation because you know you shouldn't be standing there up on that cliff. You need to move on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, so I decided to go straight into starting my own business. To basically yeah. knowing that it wasn't my true calling and what you know my true purpose, but I yeah. knew that I had a set of skills that I gained from obviously working in the you know in the community for many years, and yeah. so yeah. I set up a consultancy company and I did a lot of work in community and government organisations, doing some consultancy and some different projects, yeah. which basically funded. My studies, um, yeah, and study and funded and funded my sort of healing pro prog- yeah. uh, program, I guess. Which, um, so I started with studying holistic counseling and then yep. went on to studying life coaching. Um, and yep. I actually graduate next week. From oh, that. So, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. So I've already, um, I've already, I've, you know, my ultimate goal is to become a holistic life coach, and yep. um, I've been. You know, I haven't even finished my course, but I've already seen several clients, which is
2: testament to
1: just, I think, the 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 importance of this work in our community and how much um, yeah. it is required. It's quite different to counselling in that it's yeah. very future focused work.
0: Yep, and I assume it'd be very relationship centric. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It's um, it's really, it really is about obviously building relationships and. You know, just really building on my own um, journey, and yeah. you know, I I battled with um, depression yeah. since I was 16 years old, yeah. and I had a you know almost a 20 year journey with that, and overcoming yeah. you know, overcoming mental health, over yeah. uh, getting out of a family violence relationship, and how I healed from that, and yeah.
0: you know
1: all sorts, of, you know, you name it, I've been there. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had, I've made a lot and of wrong so, terms. And you I know, so you a, know what <laughs>
0: doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I think that's know. I
0: think I'm that's sure. what's near you know my mum was you know another indigenous number you know abuse growing up uh, sexual abuse and violence most of that left home very early and um, for her clients which she works in welfare um, yeah. it's she knows what doesn't work she knows the symptoms of something that they need to get out of and because she's able to build a relationship um, not just with indigenous but we've got like Somalian women um, we've got um, uh, Male order brides as well, Filipino mm. young girls coming over who have been attacked and now they're
2: mm. homeless because
0: the man that's brought them over and um, is is some crazy person. And so mum's able to build a relationship and really connect with what the person's going through, and then make suggestions and then put I think which is the hardest it's put the hard words on people that you care about um, because yeah you got to be in a place of trust and safety to be able to go, hey, listen, don't go down that road because uh, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. good there.
1: Yeah, and the beautiful thing about coaching that I love is that it draws on people's own inner strength and inner resources yeah. and, inner, in, you know, innate guidance yeah. and actually... Um, you know, you self-determine your own journey. I'm just there, sort of steering it, and I'm yep. there, sort of being the cheerleader and motivating, yep. and giving yep. giving a little bit of insight where here, where uh, here and there. Yep. But ultimately, the client is driving the process, and it's um, very much based on you know their own. Like I said, in a in a
0: resilience. Yeah, that's right. And, that, and that people, that and that people the people have got it. People who go a lot of trauma, they don't know, but they've got it. They've got the ability to do. Amazing things because um, of what they've been through, and it's yeah, about showing, yeah. hey, you've actually got an opportunity to do some fantastic things from you know what you've been through. So, yeah. And what was the the business called, Organization called? Yolanda?
1: Um, so it's just Yolanda Fanet Coaching and Consultancy. Very That's simple. easy to remember. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no worries.
0: And Yolanda, we got to finish up. So, Great. what? Where are you in uh, five to ten years? Are you scaled this across the country? Is going to be one in every Yay. capital city or is it just... Well, I uh, hope
1: so. I hope to have a team of Aboriginal life coaches, um, you know, working with mob. And yep. I'd love to also eventually have my own sort of life coaching academy that works with, um, you know, works with coaching from a cultural lens, which is really important yeah, to me. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, just continue, you know, in the footsteps of my grandparents in and, and creating yep. a legacy for my... And I, and I love and how you do that. They created
0: a legacy and were activists without the government funding.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> and I Yes. Uh, yes,
1: before money was a factor. That's
0: right, yeah. before um, you get paid to say the right things for certain group of people. So, fantastic. Yeah. Thanks so much, Linda. It was uh, very refreshing to hear, especially to finish on that note. And, thank um, you. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you no soon. No
1: worries. Anytime. Thanks. No worries.